welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and have we got something special in store for you today. My good pals, Abner Ramirez and Amanda Sedano, better known as Johnny Swim, are here in the studio with us today. Super excited about them being here. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Their manager, Jay King, is a good friend as well, and we've all been talking about this. Jay's in the studio as well. This episode, Abner and Amanda will be talking with Ian about the Enneagram and how it's played a role in their relationship and their band. And then next week, their manager, Jay King, will jump into the conversation and they'll talk about the Enneagram as it's helped them in their personal relationship and their working relationship. I'm sure you are very familiar with Johnny Swim, but for those of you who are not, you're going to be fans by the end of this show. But if you are not familiar with Johnny Swim, let me give you a little bit of an update before we go into the show here. Their first full-length album, Diamonds, arrived in 2014, and its single, Home, famously became the theme to the HGTV hit, Fixer Upper. The 2016 follow-up, Georgia Capon, yielded another fan fave, First Try, and the duo has sold out dates around the world. Along the way, they garnered acclaim from Rolling Stone, NPR, The New York Times, Huffington Post, Nylon, DeJour, and VH1. They've performed on the Today Show, Conan, and more. They've even done NPR's Tiny Desk series, which we love. And tonight, they're playing a sold out show at the Ryman Auditorium. So we're super excited that they're here with us. They'll be singing a song at the end of this week's episode and next week's episode from their brand new release, Moonlight. So make sure you stick around for that. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. Nothing left to say. And without any further ado, here is the host of our show, Ian Crow. Abner and Amanda, welcome to Typology. Yes! yes. We're so happy to be here, finally. Johnny Swim is in the house. That's right. That's right. Your new record, Moonlight, has dropped. When did it drop? April 19th, April 2019. 19th. Year. That's his birthday. Mm-hmm. And you are on tour right now. Right. In, we're in the first week, really. Oh. So it still feels very fresh and new. But yes, we are on the road. Oh, Tonight you're, you're playing. Sold out Ryman. Sold out Ryman. So, so great. Yeah. Sold out in three days. Three that days is of fantastic. It's kind of like I woke up at 4.30 today and I expected to open my eyes and see the sun. And it wasn't up. And I was like, why do I have this adrenaline? I was like, oh, that's right. You're playing the Ryman. Oh, it's four. Just go back to sleep. I woke up what felt like five hours later. It was 4.30. <laughs> a lot of adrenaline. Wow. That's right. You're playing the Ryman tonight. Yeah. It's, that's uh, cool. Guaranteed it's bad sleep the night before the Ryman. Yeah. Every so, time. So for those of you who don't know, uh, the Ryman Auditorium, the Mother Church. That's yeah. right. Here in Nashville, Tennessee, is one of the most, arguably the most prestigious stage in the country. Oh, yeah. To st- every country yeah. artist I know uh, and other artists, right, yeah. will tell yeah. you about their f- the first time they w- stood on the stage of the Ryman. That's the phrase. There's standing just like on a the holiness stage. about it. You, you, don't, you don't expect it until you get there and you're like, you just feel the weight of it. And it, it feels like you're just part of something so much bigger than yourself and it's overwhelming and wonderful and exciting and mm. horrifying all at the same time. Big time. Well, when you're. Time. First time we stood on the Ryman stage. Uh, Vince Gill was sitting stage right, just in the wings, watching the whole thing. And so, you've, you know, you've been doing, we've been doing music for a long time together, singing in front of seven people or more, you know, right, or less. <laughs> and so you kind of you're used to doing your thing. You're singing your songs, singing your songs. Cool, it's the rhyme, it's the rhyme. And then you look over, and Vince Gill's just watching. 
And you're like, can I start over? I would like to start over. Am I pitchy? Am I pitchy right now? Oh, Vince, are you having a good time? (laughs) Vince, you want to come out and play a song? Exactly. You want to sing for me, Vince? That'd be great. I know. He is bad, isn't he? He's amazing. He is one of my favorite. I mean, Anthony will tell you, man, I listen to Vince Gill all the time. Well, my very first piece of music that I ever purchased myself was a Vince Gill cassette single. Oh, wow. I heard him on the radio, and I was like, Dad, I want to use my allowance. I want to go to the store and buy this. And he was like, let's go. So I bought this little cassette. You know, it came in a little sleeve, you know. It had one song on one side, one song on the other side. But I didn't have anything to play it on in my house because I was like seven, you Mm -hmm. know, and I didn't have anything. It was like I had a boom box in my room. So I had a Teddy Rupskin um, do you know what a Teddy it's a story is? Telling yeah. It's a storytelling <laughs> yeah. teddy bear, and you put a cassette in it, yeah. and it tells the story. So I took the story cassette out, and I would put Vince Gill in, and it would move its arms. <laughs> I still believe, and it would sing Vince Gill, and I would just be like holding it in my bed. That's my first bit of music. So That's I have a very creepy. weird affection t- towards Vince Gill. So you know, though, I do that now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually have like, a that's little how I doll. Sleep every I put night. a cassette in a Vince and I yeah. just... <laughs> Lay on it. Honestly, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. That's not no, a bad idea. No, <laughs> man. Unbelievable. I, I, every time he plays the rhyme and I try and get, get there to yeah. see him. We tried to get him there tonight with us, but he will Hard not. Pass. But alas, he will not be there. Oh. Well, then I won't he come. He said, oh. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping for a Vince show. Yeah, never mind. All right, so we got the two of you here. Abner, you're a seven on the Enneagram. Very seven, sir. You are an enthusiast. Yes. You were already up at 4.30 this morning anticipating the day. Yes. Waiting for it to happen. Yes. And, uh, Amanda, you are a nine. I am a 99. Sweethearts of the Enneagram. Yeah, I like to think so. They are. And I'm married to a nine. I got a daughter who's a nine. Who else? I got nines. I'm surrounded by nines. Y'all are like the Xanax of the end of the <laughs> You know That's what I'm saying? True, yeah. It's so nice yeah. to have you around. You just bring this kind of sort of radiance of peace and tranquility. I'm it's coming here every day. Nice. I love this. Keep telling me more. Come on. Those are bad things. Quick. Even the playing field here. Yeah. Even it out. So, you know, I, um, there are certain number combinations I see a lot in couples, right? So yeah. nines and ones, I see them constantly. Mm. Eights and twos, constantly. Huh, yeah. Sevens and nines, all the time. Yeah? Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think it's so, for me, in my professional opinion about the Enneagram, <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't have a career if I wasn't married to Amanda. One, because she's much more talented than I am. But two, because I would still be lost in the clouds all the time, and I wouldn't decide if I wanted to be mm. like a filmmaker or a songwriter or a monk, but I would want to do something like awesome. You well, know? they're all similar. I mean, yeah. I can see the connection between yeah. all those. <laughs> you know, vow of celibacy seems cool. Maybe I'll be a rock star. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I even need to ask any questions yeah, during this yeah, interview. Exactly. I, think, I think we'll just let Abner go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, where this, see where we end up. <laughs> no telling. No, it's so true. And I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for him because I, you know, was the one that was like, oh, I don't know. I should not sing. It's fine. Somebody else sing. You have a great voice. You go. You know? And he was the one that was like, come and sing with me. Yeah. You should see the videos of her childhood where uh, a sibling of hers uh, isn't on the camera, but she's meant to be on camera. The camera's on Amanda. 
And Amanda, sing us a song. And Amanda's like, oh, maybe I will. Uh, what song would you like to hear? Oh, why don't you sing that beautiful song? Her dad's on the camera, you know, holding the camera. Okay, I'll sing it. And then her sister comes blasting her. You don't want to hear my ugly, pukey sister sing? <laughs> Listen to me. And if that was me, I would. that would be a fight. Right. But Amanda, at like 13 or whatever that was, would be like, oh, it's okay. You go. You go. <laughs> like, full on. Yeah, full on. Were you a middle? I'm the baby. Oh. I'm the baby, but my sister is a year and a half older. I have two older sisters. One's a lot older, but the the one that's I mean, close that to me is a year and a half she might old. Be listening. Eight years, nine years, nine and a half. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, the one that's a year and a half older is you know I don't know what her enneagram number is. She says she keeps taking it. She doesn't feel like it's right. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but <laughs> so that's probably uh, yeah. So she's a year and a half older than me, and she just was you know from the time she was born just needed a lot more attention just across the board you know she was like the wild baby she was born for the spotlight yeah she you know she likes the attention she wants to be with the grown-ups all the time and so then i came like a year and a half after her and was just like you go (laughs) you do whatever (laughs) i mean literally just you know she just always took over and i was happy to just chill and eat snacks (laughs) that's still how I am (laughs) cool you do what you do and I'm just gonna sit here and drink my coffee (laughs) let you live you already remind me of my daughter Maddie really yes (laughs) yes and in fact my daughter Maddie who's a nine is married to a seven oh wow yeah Yeah. lucky girl yeah yeah Yeah. they've been in a lot of counseling lately (laughs) (laughs) you know trying to work through some of the trauma (laughs) of that of that unusual brew of nine and seven so like the cool thing about nines and sevens and i was thinking about maddie and paul getting ready for our time together like uh and why it is that i'd love to be with them so actually just to back up a little bit oftentimes when i meet with people individually or in a setting like this when i'm in a group i just start to pay attention to what's happening in my body you know, I'll be talking and I'll be listening and I'll be just kind of scanning to see, like, what kind of energy am I feeling in the moment? Because, right. you know, if you listen to what's going on in yourself, it just tells you, hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. You start to get a sense of the weather. Right, yeah. Right? And I'm sitting here and I feel like I've had six cappuccinos <laughs> right now. Because <laughs> we got, like... You know what I'm saying? Like, I got there's a lot of juice in the room, man. There's a lot of juice in the room. I feel like I got a couple of stallions behind the fence. They're all kind of running around. And this is what I love, you know, about the Enneagram and, and just about living, sort of a, attempting and trying to live mindfully and with intentional awareness. You know, it's like just picking things up, you know, and just being curious about what's happening in the moment and you guys radiate the seven nine thing which is <laughs> like both of your types are super optimistic usually uh you're not very introspective or brooding right by, by nature you're good at forgiving and forgetting you know you're real good at that um you can make the best of any situation usually both yeah. of you like you're on a bus right now with 13 yeah. people like when i hear about a 13 bus i'm like Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would have to be medicated yeah. every night. I would literally. Just we're not. No, I'm no yeah. <laughs> We've heard rumor. Yeah, exactly. of, 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 A lot of, of vitamin that. C. A lot of vitamin C. Yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah. That definitely all sounds like us. But both of you are, I mean, and tell me if I'm wrong, but, you know, uh, neither one of you are very oriented toward conflict. No. Uh, no, I do. I do have an eight wing. So every, oh. if you cross me, I will let you know. I've seen her make a grown man at Emos in Austin. So you're talking about like a legendary venue, not not like the rhyme, but a, a established place. The curmudgeonly of curmudgeons, 
you know, can be in places like this. Oh, yeah. And one of those type dudes was yelling at one of our guys. And a man very patiently from stage said into the microphone, excuse me, sir, can I talk to you? She wa- he walks over and she goes, I need you to bring your boss too. The boss comes over and she says, listen, if I ever hear one of you speak to one of my guys like that again, we're here to do a good job. We're going to do our best, work hard. But if I hear you talk to one of my guys like that, I don't care if the room's full. I'm packing up and I'm taking all my guys away because I'm not going to have them around somebody like you. And he goes, oh, yes, yes, ma'am. Well, you know, I, da, da, da. and that was that was a nine bringing heat like that. That was awesome. It's that that eight wing, you just I just nudge me in that direction, and it'll come, come out. On. But and you know, but I've, for the, the most part, yeah. This is one not. of the beautiful things about nine with eight, right? Yeah. Is like when necessary. Yeah. Right. You you have guns. It doesn't yeah. come out. They don't come out it's often. It's so rare. Yeah. 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 And then there's yeah. usually a there's usually about uh, maybe a couple hours or days later after an event like that and you're like do i need to call that guy no i don't have that i don't have have no remorse no no i don't need to go back and iron it out no because i feel like if i if i i feel like if i get to that point i'm like you've you've touched a part that that is absolutely uncalled for and I don't. And I don't think I come at people like in a rude way. If I came at them and was like, "What the heck are you doing?" Like, yeah, you don't come scream up. it. No, I like. I, it's still controlled, but I'm like, I will not stand for that. That's not going to happen. Good for you. I feel like that way. I don't. I don't get like. For I don't sure. get just like wild. Very. I don't think often. I've ever seen you other than at me when you're pregnant. Like yeah. yell at somebody. Like when I'm really like pregnant like, and I'm just emotional, that I'm like, I don't like anything. Then then I come back and I'm like, okay, I was like cross the line. But I and generally then I laughed at her and that made it worse. Yeah, because he was like, what is happening? You know um, what? But yeah, generally I, I don't. I've never thought about this before, but you know we have num- numbers. You know, go to different numbers in stress and, yes. and in security. But maybe we should have a different line for, for where pregnancy? people go when they're pregnant. Yeah, one hundred. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I would that. love. I felt like even wow. just being a mom because I think when I first took the enneagram, I was I just become a new mom, and I was like answering the questions, and I was like, okay, I'm trying to think of like not in this mom zone, like how I would answer it. And it like it was difficult for me, and I realized that it kept I kept showing up as an unhealthy six, and which made sense. But I was like, oh, this is like a whole. It's a whole thing when you're like postpartum and prenatal. You yeah, know, yeah. it's a whole different thing. The lines bend. Yeah, yeah. everything's yeah. a little shaky, yeah. you know? Like, so you, what's your Instagram? I don't have a number. I'm right all now. the numbers right. and I'm D. none of the numbers. Leave me alone. Yeah, D is what you said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a letter right now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. All right. So tell me this. Um, you, you, uh, you've been in this relationship for how long have you guys been married? Ten years. Been married ten years. Yeah. <laughs> Together for 13, 14. All right. Yeah. So how would you describe – I've sort of made some, you know, sort of general observations about sevens and nines. How would you describe your relationship? Uh, absolutely a balloon with a tether. Like the, the strong grounding force, which is Amanda, that makes reality reality, you know. And then me willing to float off in any place, dreams. I think we – she helps us – make rational decisions or make choices and i help us maybe expand like our, our dreaming as a and it's tough for us too because life our relationship just doesn't mean like home mm-hmm. for us it means everything we don't have a line between business and like career and personal doesn't really i mean we draw boundaries with what, where we let people in but there's for us personally it's all one thing but i do i think you're exactly right about you know the, obviously being optimistic and finding the bright side and stuff like you know now when we look back and we're like oh remember when we were driving in cars and they were just full of 
garbage, and we played that show in Toledo with a band called Feces Eater. How great was that? <laughs> That's all true stories. Yeah. And then it was like, and after this guy Johnny swim, and we were like, oh right, how did we get here? What life choices have we made? But I feel like our, you know, we we've said it for years. These are the good old days, and and now looking back, you're like those days kind of sucked if you think about it. But we had a great time. We always had a great time, and we were, didn't matter if we were broke or you know wound up or our flights got canceled and we were in some dumb city or whatever we've always like we can have fun wherever we are and i think um i think that's a seven and nine thing too like we may not be ultra disciplined but fun shall be had yeah don't ask us to have a clean house but a a party house house? sure (laughs) (laughs) all right well how would you describe the relationship yeah that's i mean i think that's exactly it like if i if there's one thing and i think what he said before too about how we bring out the best in each other how how i can kind of tether him down and be like okay i know you want to do all these things but what about this one thing let's focus in on this one thing or or let's make it let's make it manageable to some degree i think that's partially because i'm like i i'm a very like realistic dreamer like i'm like oh that would be nice this one little thing and he's like no no no, that would be nice and then we kind of meet meet in the middle of like okay let's like we're, we're gonna get someplace good one way or another but he i think he's been the voice that's told me over and over that my voice matters when i'm like i mean not that it doesn't matter but like it's fine other people have better things to say and he's the one that's like no you need to you need to talk and that's been crazy amazing for me because you know, it's easy for me to just go into a shell, and I feel like, I feel like I just give him like a safe, good little place to be his sevenness, mm. <laughs> to be excited and to have like still have boundaries, but still get the fun and the jollies. You know. So the way I would describe that in my daughter's relationship with her son would be, he's he's the fire and she's the hearth. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's good. Absolutely, that's, that's perfect. Really yeah, absolutely. And you meant husband, right? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. What's so that son? <laughs> I was like, cool. Like, cool. like I, I said, mean, we were in term, therapy. Cool. I told you yeah, earlier, exactly. I was in family therapy yesterday. I didn't realize there was so much happening. Stuff has been dark, but we're working it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We were all we're like, a modern family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's, here's where that's evident. In our show, there's a moment where I, that always stands out to me. I'll typically take a moment in the show, and I'll like just riff. Like We really treat our... You know, we're believers, and we treat our concerts like worship services where everybody's invited, nobody's left out, everybody's seen, known, and loved, and cared for, however mm-hmm. they are, however they came in. And it's not, we're not trying to convert folks, yada, yada. But there'll be like a moment in a song, typically during the show, where I'll go on. Like the band will stop playing, and I'll just do something, and I feel so much fire behind it, and I'm like singing scripture or something weird, because it's kind of weird sometimes. And I'm just going and going, and I'll go for like two minutes, which is entirely too long. And like, I feel it, and like, I don't know if anybody got that, but it felt good for me. And, like, you know, the fire kind of goes away, and we move on. Three songs later, Amanda will have a moment, and she'll do a thing where she's, like, we're going to go off rails for a second, and we'll do something unplanned, and she'll say one thing. And then I'll go on, and the whole room's like, <gasps> and then you go on Instagram that night, and everybody's like, oh, my God, Amanda said this, and it just changed my life. I needed that, and da 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 I was like, but I took, like, two minutes, man. <laughs> <laughs> and mine will be all, like, screaming and, like, top of my register, singing as hard as I can, and she'll just be like, la... <laughs> and then it'll just like melt. Yeah, yeah. I used to have. Uh, I'm a little bit more like you, right? Mm. I'm a. Uh, I'm a self-preservation for, which means a lot of the time I look like a three or a seven, mm. right? And um, 
I will have those moments of inspiration, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember one time a, a guy said to me, I was speaking somewhere, and I was just having one of those inspired moments where I thought, you know, I was like channeling Martin Luther King or something. You <laughs> yes. know, like I was giving my big speech, and you know. And he came up to me later, and he always gave this advice. He goes, S-, he says, say less, mean more. Oh, God. Oh, Burn, shot, oh, fired. Rough. But you know what was but, great yeah, advice? Yeah, yeah, of right? course. Say less, yeah. mean, more. mean more. Yeah, you know. Oh, that's so rough to that's hear. So though. good. I know. So, like, tell me that a week after. Yeah, yeah. Not the same yeah. day. Her dad said to me one day at the show, and it was like a really big show, one of our first big televised things, and it was sound check, and I was just so excited. We were playing with Ed Sheeran, playing with Haim, playing with Lord, playing with these folks, and and I'm sound check. I'm just all in. Yeah, and I feel so stoked to walk off stage, all hype, just all excited, all happy. And her dad, who's nine, comes in and goes, "Abner, I just wanna before you go up there tonight, like maybe go to ten, and then take two steps back." <laughs> <laughs> so that was the musical equivalent of "Say Less, Say right, More." Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. That is fantastic, fantastic. So on that, using that that sort of that visual of the hearth and the mm-hmm. and the fire, you know. I think that um, it's not to say that anybody ever completes the other, right? Right, but that they find this uh, sort of magic kind of interplay, mm-hmm. or um, uh, that one helps the other realize right. themselves, their own purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it's true. It, it sounds like you've kind of begun to. I mean, ten years in—that's yeah. a decent amount of time. Yeah. That you've begun to sort of experience the fruit of that kind of di- you're all right. So how about this way? You're differentiated, which means you're your own person, right? While at the same time, mm-hmm. you uh, and so you you have an individuated sense of self. I have right. my own life. I right. have my own lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. And solidity, but that doesn't negate the possibility of communion, mm-hmm. right? You know, because some people get Not so differentiated yeah. <laughs> that, right. you know, they can't connect with anybody. Right. You know, it's almost... To, they see it as a crutch or they see it... Yeah, or they're just too much... Uh, uh, how would I say this? Um, they're almost too present mm. in a way in, in their own expression of right. self, you know, that it doesn't allow... Mm. It's, not permea- right. it's not permeable enough for someone mm. else to be included in, in their life's conversation. So... Right. I love that. I love I love that idea. Yeah. I love that idea because I feel like that's even what we say to our kids all the time is, you know, the the world needs you and our family needs you. We need you to be who you were born to be because yes. this is going to all work together in the same way where you, right. know, you need to be the fire. I need to be the hearth. We yeah. all need each other and we all need each other to be who we are supposed to be. We had this long conversation yeah. about our album cover before we made it. Right. It, for this album, for Moonlight, out now. Get it wherever you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wherever Daisy Spence, a good friend of ours, art directed it, and he uh, he's like, man, when I see you guys, I see two individuals that have chosen to come together. Yes, and so the album cover is two different photographers, two different setups, two different photo shoots entirely, and we blended the pictures together with clean lines where it clearly differentiates. It's two identities that have his chosen is to black come and together. white, mine's in color. It's like all different, but it goes together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's that it's that theme that's been a big theme. It's crazy timing to be talking about it now, but that's a theme in our life and a theme throughout the album as well. So. The, the image I like to use, and I, I do this actually when I'm teaching about nines, because yeah. nines struggle with this the most, uh, this idea of differentiation right. and, and individuation, becoming their own self, mm-hmm. 
we were talking earlier, you were talking about your sister and you know, she's got lots of opinions and you would defer, right? right. It's almost like, oh, you want the spotlight? Okay, you yeah. take the spotlight. You know, yeah. Oh, you want to sing? Okay, you yeah, sing. Yeah, exactly. Because to a nine, everyone else seems to have more, they have stronger opinions. Right. They, they why, oh, if it's that big a deal to you, then And they go seem ahead, to need right? it. Yeah, it's like, okay, like, <laughs> so it, 100. Yeah. You know, like, well, okay, so you have a deeper desire. You right. Know, it's like, and it's like, I have to always tell nines, no, claim your desire yeah. mm. and, and let it, um, be of equal value and importance right. as everybody to everybody you. else. Yeah. You yes. know, like, like no, stay on mic. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, don't give that mic so up. True. You can share the mic, right? but don't give it up to somebody else because it they're... It is so hard. It, it is it's hard. It's so hard for us. So going back to this idea of, of uh, communion, and this is something I, I work with, with nines on uh, oftentimes, is the idea that okay, you got two candles. They're separate. They're different. Uh, and when you light them, they have their own flame. They have their own light. Both have the, their own light and flame. So what communion looks like is when you when you bring the flame of the two together, right? Uh, and you then it's undifferentiated, right? You've got this beautiful right. communion of two flames. You can't tell that they're two different things. They're they're one yeah. flame, but they're both still individual right. sticks. Yeah, sharing that mm-hmm. flame. And so that's the paradox and the beauty of a great right. relationship is it's, it can become one flame, right. but two candles. Yeah. Mm. If one of the candles, the nine usually, right. wants to merge and become one candle right. with a, a big assertive personality like a seven, mm. that's not good. Mm-hmm. That, that becomes right. this kind of merged, or it's actually called fusion, mm. where the one wants to fuse with the other, mm. right. and the nine will often self-delete yeah. in order to make that happen. Like, how do I disengage from my own energy, my own passions, right. my own mission to take on the that of the other? Yeah. Right? And that's called merging or fusion. And that does not end well, mm. yeah. usually. But, right. but again, what I sense with the two of you, like, none of that activity is going down here. You know, it's like, <laughs> nope, you came in the room, you were two different people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, yeah. oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interviewing one person today. Yeah. I'm going to be Definitely. interviewing two, two. people Definitely today. Two. All right, so listen, we're going to come back in just a second uh, and talk about a little bit more about your relationship. We're going to talk more about the dynamic of working together, mm-hmm. not just living together, yeah. Yeah. you know, but traveling together with 13 people on yes. a bus, which to me <laughs> sounds like a return to drinking. Um, <laughs> speaking of a return to drinking. <laughs> Strong agree. Why do I feel like I need to puke just after hearing that? I'm like, oh, God, I need to go to therapy. <laughs> for real. Well, now let's just visit that for a second. Because I do. (laughs) Well, now that you mention it. (laughs) For real. For real, though. So when I've had sevens in therapy before, here's often what happens. They'll come in, and they are so charming. Mm. Mm. And they're so fun. And most therapists are so fooled. (laughs) Because they come in with all this joy juice, and the therapist forgets, Starts to think, why did this person need to see a therapist? Right. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they come in, there's so much juice and jazz going on, and it's like, like jazz? wow, <laughs> I'd like to have you be my therapist, right. you know? Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> you you're, you're confident, you're right. charming, you're right. everything I wanted to be in yeah. high school, damn it. So, yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> now, I don't know, we could say, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can bring it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so, what, well, what happens is, if you sit with sevens long enough and you don't 
get on the bandwagon of all that joy juice, which is fabulous. It's right. wonderful. I yeah. love it. But you did come to me for a reason. Yeah. Right. So a lot of times I just sit and watch and I just wait for it to kind of burn itself off. It took about 30 seconds with Abner sitting down here. <laughs> yeah. Just listen to that ad. I was like, oh, let's go. Let's, let's fix everything. Let's go for it. <laughs> for eight minutes. Let's fix everything. Yes, um, please. But usually, oftentimes what happens with sevens in a counseling session is they'll say something like this. Yeah, you know, so I, had, I actually have a really, really fun childhood. I, I, I uh, you know, we had a porch swing, and I used to sit on it with my grandmother, my abuelita, and yeah. we would sit there together, you know, and it was fantastic. And she would tell stories, and my, my brothers and sisters would run around the lawn, and we'd have barbecues, and we'd do this, and, you know, oh, and I had this great uncle, and he was fantastic. He took me fishing. That was the year after my father died when I was 11, and I can't begin <laughs> to tell you. And you go, whoa, 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 rewind, yeah. rewind. Yeah. And they look at you, and then the eyes go like, "Yeah, oh, they caught busted. it. They caught yeah. it." I let it out. Yeah, and I got busted. And I'll go say that again. Yeah. Okay, now just interesting. Just as I said, that, oh yeah, you took yeah. a deep big oh, breath. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I just saw you go. <sighs> yeah, man. All right, let's talk about the deep breath. What? So what happens when I describe the sounds like I, that? I just think about reading your book, and I think about Amanda telling me that I'm not going to be able to get through my chapter about sevens. And I was like, yeah, watch this. I'm going to read the whole chapter. And I couldn't. I had to put it away. And I said to myself, I'll finish it tomorrow. To this day, I've never read the rest of that chapter. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm very wounded. I'm a four. I feel, <laughs> I feel abandoned right now. I believe it. I believe it, actually. <laughs> um, and it was – it's so easy to focus on all this stoked stuff, right? And I think as a songwriter – and as being married to a, a very strong, independent, amazing woman, I have to, I have to, I'm forced to look in a lot, you know, because she's, she is quick to ask me, all right, well, what's that about? Like, what are you, what are you, what are you acting like that for? And it's, it's, I'm talking in circles because I, I have this massive fear of abandonment. My dad was taking me when I was, from me when I was a kid for something he didn't do. He didn't commit a crime, but was put in federal prison. Uh, he didn't speak English, had a public, you know, whatever. It was, it was a rough it was a rough time, and I often think to myself exactly that. It's been good. Like, I've always been, what's the saying, the duck that the water just rolls off their back? I've always been that way. I've always, nothing really gets to me. Nothing really gets to me. It just takes a second of hearing what a seven sounds like to be like, oh, God, that's so me. <laughs> like, everything hasn't been awesome. Everything's been rough. We, had a, we were the first people of color that moved into our neighborhood when we were six. When I was six, uh, first house my mom ever bought in, in a little town called Marietta. I have a song about it. And we had a burning cross in our front yard in the first week, you know, as our welcoming, like welcome colored people to our neighborhood. Dad was gone. Like it was it was actually really rough and it's tough to kind of face that maybe I'm like this because of all the clinical reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Mm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that when a person takes their unique charism, you know, this gift, this, uh, for you, this joy that I think is a divine joy, mm. right, that you bring to the world. It's not to say that you don't bring many other gifts, but it's like you have this specialization. Mm. It's like you majored in joy, mm. you know, and I think that's a God-given thing. Yeah. Right? But when you use that joy in service to the protection of your own ego and your and the interests of your own self, mm. it becomes selfish and it turns in on itself and it becomes a way of manipulating the world yeah. to cooperate with your own comfort and ease, right? Yeah. When it's directed not toward your the ego service but toward what God's up to in the world, then it allows suffering to come in and yeah. it's not afraid 
Yeah. And sevens are, even though you guys look confident and together, you are fundamentally afraid. Yeah. You know? I disagree completely. <laughs> <laughs> see, I got to turn it to a laugh for a second. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, that's right. If I was in therapy, I would just go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just let you keep telling jokes, yeah. man. Yes. I just let you keep telling jokes until they were done. I do agree. And yeah. I didn't know that until I was married. There was a moment wow. when Amanda and I were in an argument. <clears throat> now I get asthma. Look at this. Like, as soon as I start talking about this crap, why are we here again? Um, <laughs> <laughs> because Amanda of this. and I were in an argument. <laughs> Excuse me. We are in an argument, and it wasn't like we've always been the don't go to bed angry or don't go to bed unresolved, or at least don't go to bed apart from each other kind of folks. And we couldn't settle this argument. She's like, I'm just going to sleep in the guest room. I was like, fine, go sleep in the guest room. I don't care. And I totally cared. And so I'm in our bed, and she's in an inflatable mattress on the floor in our, like, guest room. It wasn't even really a guest room. Uh, I'm, like, bothered. I'm like, no, I'm going to sleep. Her loss. Inflatable mattress, bed. And I'm just, like, shriveling up on the inside. And I spend the whole night in the bed, but I didn't sleep. And so I go to the room so mad. I go to the guest room. It was a, kind of a massive moment in our relationship, and I can't believe I'm talking about it. But I will not regret it, and it will stay on the podcast. <laughs> um, and I say to her, you can't do that. I walk in, like, yelling at her. First thing in the morning, it's like 7.30. I wake her up, screaming. You can't do that. You can't go sleep in her room. You just can't do that. She goes, well, that are not very, like, logical responses. She was also pre-law at Vanderbilt, magna cum laude, whatever. She's super smart. I get it. Um, she's like, well, then we need to talk about that. She starts wanting to talk about me. I was like, you can't. And I literally, my, my hands turned to, like, like claws, my shoulders sunk in, and my back hunched over. And I said, "You can't leave me!" And I just screamed it and started like mm. weeping, like I don't know if I've wept before or since in my entire life. Mm. It's like you can't leave me and snot and spit and whatever. And she's like, "Oh my god! Oh, come here, come here, let me hold you. Come, on, I got you, I got you." I said, "No!" Then I literally said, "Don't look at me! Don't look at me!" I was so ashamed because I couldn't control. So I never, just I've never felt that in my life. And I'd never realized this well of fear of abandonment. Mm. That's kind of crazy that I feel like an, I can already see, like in my four-year-old. And I don't know how much of that sticks to your DNA, how much of that can go on to the next generation, but I feel like I can see it in my kids, too. Like a, this thing. But anyway, I remember going to the kitchen and I physically unraveling, like like reassembling, actually. Like mm. watching my hands kind of go back to normal, straightening my back. Okay, I don't know what just happened. Uh, I guess we need to talk about it, whatever. And uh, I didn't know that fundamentally there was a drive of fear in me. And that's what made me so uncomfortable reading your chapter about me, because I know you wrote it about me, <laughs> is I don't like having to face that truth that there is a fundamental fear. And for me, it's a, a real fear of abandonment, and among other things, I'm sure. So on the Enneagram, we have three triads. And I think we have what they reflect is a deficit, right, in a, in a particular uh, area, that fundamental need that every human being has. So if you think about eight, nines, and uh, ones, I think the deficit that, that you all wrestle with is around power. Mm. It's how much power, do I, how much power do I have to affect change right. in the world, uh, assert power, mastery? Um, how can I get the world uh can i in fact get the world to respond to me right you know right so eight nines and ones and they deal with it differently so for twos threes and fours be issues around esteem and approval mm. it's it's really uh, which every child needs every child needs what i just described for eight nines and ones they all need esteem and approval right so that would be can you love me for who i am um and and so then um fives sixes and sevens would be issues around safety and security mm. Right. 
So those are fear management systems. Mm. Eight, nine, and one. Those are you know anger management systems or you know power systems. And sort of for two, threes, and fours, you know that's really a shame management systems. Mm. You know, so for you, realizing that your your seven qualities, right, your personality qualities are both beautiful and necessary mm. in our world. But when used in service, as I mentioned earlier, to the ego's agenda, they become ways of coping with fear and anxiety in a way that is counter to what – it actually will create the environment in which you are more likely to be abandoned mm. rather than to yeah. get the security you really <laughs> want. Because yeah. after a while, if you're just Tigger, yeah. people will leave you. Yeah. And well, then what happens? Well, you double down and you try even harder yeah. with an old system that doesn't work. And it just, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So until you interrupt the circuit on it, and this is true for every number. Every number has this issue. Until you can interrupt the circuit on it and become self-aware and regulate it and go, no, nah, I'm in my BS right now. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Um, yeah. We can say damn, right? Can we say bullshit or no? <laughs> no, you okay. can. No, that's all good. <laughs> this is a, no, Absolutely. This is, so the other night, my, I was talking to my son-in-law, who's a seven, and he he called me to invite me on a, a very it was a wonderful conversation to ask me if I wanted to go camping or to the Grand Canyon this summer. He went, "Let's go get it. We're gonna like one of those Mercedes Sprinter <laughs> things, you know? And we're gonna go to the Grand Canyon." And I love it when I'm seven. I'm a four, you know. Yeah. So like, right? And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And now originally he said, "Oh, let's just go camping and in in the Rockies," and I was a little bit like. Mm. And, and then yeah. I said, yeah, but I said, you know, I've never been to the Grand Canyon. He goes, you've never been to the Grand Canyon? You know? I mean, seriously, this, this is a guy who is perpetually surprised. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's always like, what? You've never been to the Grand Canyon? Awesome. I love him. I love That's him. That's awesome. So he's like, he's like, well, we can get him. And then all of a sudden the plan starts. I said, yeah, you know what? I've been telling people for years I want to go to the Grand Canyon, but no one ever listens to me. And he goes, he goes, he goes, stop right there. He goes, you need to tweet that out right now. It's the most four thing I have ever heard in my entire life. I have been telling people for years and I want to go to the country, but no one ever listens to me. (laughs) Now, what he was doing was helping me actually, because we have this, he and I have a common language around the Enneagram. What he was doing was A, helping me laugh at the fact that that's actually really true. That is all four behavior. And if it's not called out by another or by myself, yeah, in the moment, you know what I mean? As my BS. Yeah. Right? Then I'm just going to continue on these automatic patterns that actually thwart relationships for me. Wow. And and that's where you get these repeating dramas. On, you know, it's right. like, yes. I have been through this 5,600 yeah, exactly. times, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you know. Can't can't wait to do this one again, probably <laughs> tomorrow, you know. So that was very moving, and I just want to actually – uh, say I want to sort of name that was what you shared was sacred mm. you know so I just I don't want to fly by that without acknowledging it and saying thank you for your willingness to mm. to own that experience and to share the that experience and mm-hmm. what was that like for you Amanda in that moment well I think I think in the, I mean, I, I always, always kind of knew that he had a little bit of that. I mean, I knew his his backstory since before we started dating, and mm. and I was always kind of amazed. His whole family is just amazing. Like his dad, when he was alive, was just charismatic and amazing, and his mother's maybe the sweetest person on earth. And I would always say she has every reason to be bitter. I mean, coming out mm. of Cuba and you know, 
with the shirts on their back and everybody dying around them and being able to make a life here and here they are and then and then he gets taken away at like just when they start getting settled and start feeling like they were finally free mm. his dad gets taken away and for 13 years from the time he was three to when he was 16 you know all his formative years and his mom is the sweetest person she has every reason to be bitter and she's just sweet you know and mm. so i i was always really just amazed by their family and how they were they were all able to kind of take this this their crazy lives that you know i think all of the rest of us probably would have just been destroyed by and just mm. build beauty out of it like mm. they just have a garden of you know in their lives of sweetness and kindness and compassion because of you know what they went through um i i and i noticed it when we were dating because we fought a lot when we were dating and i was always kind of like why are you like nitpicking about stuff and i realized as soon as we got married we kind of just stopped fighting and i was like oh i think mm. you were just nervous i was gonna leave and you're you know as soon as we got married and it was official and we were like we knew the commitment that we weren't going anywhere it was like a lot of his behaviors a lot of our the tension kind of stopped um but in that moment I think I was just, I kind of realized, like, oh, I think you need to go to counseling for a lot of this. Because it's easy, you know, with him to just think he's doing great and be like, he's Mm -hmm. just really processed it all really well. And, you know, he's found the joy in it. And, you know, he was able to do a lot of amazing things. And people really took care of him. And he's just had a blessed life, you know, despite all this stuff. And I think that was the moment I was like, oh, it's still really there. It's still really, because it wasn't like, I, I mean, I don't remember it being a horrible big drag out fight. It was kind of one of those things like, we're both tired. We're both not making good choices. Like, let's just both process on our own and sleep in separate rooms and we'll figure this out. It wasn't like it was like, I'm going to go sleep in the other room. I don't want to be near you. It wasn't that. It was like kind of like. Well, because she's a nine, so it wouldn't be that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my eight wasn't, my eight wing wasn't coming out. So for me, it was kind of like a, oh, that's still very, very there. And it's mm. not super, it's not super deep under. It just takes the right little door to open. And Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did it scare you? No. I was actually happy about it. I'm like, oh, if that's in there, then, like, let's get it out. Like, that shouldn't be in there. And you shouldn't have to carry it by yourself. If that is there, you shouldn't have to just be, like, suffering and be nervous by yourself. Like, I can hopefully help bring salve to that. Will you marry me? (laughs) I did. (laughs) And yes. (laughs) You know? Well, I mean, I think the Enneagram helps people sort of identify the one line of corrupt code. Mm. Mm. That's good. In, that is good, huh? Damn. In, right? in the, oper- <laughs> in the, in the operating system yeah. that really unbeknownst to them is holding them hostage. Right? Wow. So for you, and I think you were describing it really eloquently a moment ago, which is, you know, uh, no one will be there to support me. Uh-huh. You know, if I if I have this experience of grief or disappointment or stuckness or boredom or any uh, in this difficult circumstance, um, there will be no one here to support me. And so sevens, you know, start racing into the future so they never have to face in the immediate Mm. uh, anything that they would have to to cope with alone. Right. So that's the that's the story in the sevens mind. Right. Now, for nines, it's a different line. Uh, yeah. The corrupt code line is different. Right? Yeah. So what do you think it is? I think it is uh, feeling not feeling like my voice doesn't matter, I would say, is like the – I think that's the lie that kind of comes up a lot. Like everybody else matters. Everybody else has something better to say. I don't really have anything that great to say, so I should just shut up. 
I think that's what it is for me, at least. I don't know. Mm. You tell me. <laughs> you got so nervous. I know. Through that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> She's like super oh, confident uh, and then dwindled. Yeah. So that is. <laughs> and there I mean, it is. Yeah. So clearly a lot of nines report that. Yeah. Right. That that is sort of the one of the sort of the quintessential messages that, right. that nines that nines here. And because of it, they disengage from this sort of instinctual energy that you you as a seven have lots of mm-hmm. right um and so for nines you know this journey toward what i call reclaiming personal authority mm. right the ground beneath their feet what is that no. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> what is personal authority what does that look like <laughs> yeah i think it's um yeah i remember one time i was uh i can't remember where i was it may have been like at an AA meeting or something where I was and, and somebody was talking and they, they were reflecting on some aspect of their life and they said, I woke up one day and I realized I have a right to live. Mm. Mm. I have a right to live. Mm. And I, I remember having that sort of like just, you know, tweak my heart a little right. bit because I don't think nines often feel like um, I have a right to live at the same level of intensity. Right. And engagement as everybody else. It's almost like there's a, ref- a reflex to, to defer mm-hmm. or to um, accommodate right. uh, to, uh, to people who have more energy, this life energy. Right. And it's like, well, I can make, I can get smaller so you can right. get bigger. And I feel good being smaller, mm. too. It feels nice right? being smaller, you think, at least. Mm. It feels nice. It feels nice feeling smaller tell me about what that feeling of nice is. i think it's mean? like you know well if we take my sister for example you know somebody who's like she you know, she was valedictorian she was you know <coughs> always had to be the best like i was like i just want to get good grades and she was like no i have to be the best you know and she always you know just was she was the the performer in the family she was the you know the one and i was you know a year and a half behind her and so it was either like are you going to try to compete and be on the same level it's either it almost feels like it's one or the other like either i have to like work my butt off and i'm going to try to get to the same place or i'm gonna let you have it and i'm gonna go down i'm just gonna chill right here and right here i i'm happy and i have great relationships and i have fun with my friends and i don't feel that i don't have the pressure of having to try to be on the same page because it's almost like it feels like it's one or the other so that feels nice and safe and cozy to kind of just let somebody else you know you take that lane I'm going to take the coasting lane mm. and I'm going to eat my snacks. Snacks are a very, very important part of my emotional well-being. <laughs> in case okay. you didn't notice. Well, you know, that's actually very nine-ish. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, and I'll just go, so for all you nines yeah. out there, that can be an Get okay snacks, thing. Yeah. But also nines, it's like one of the central ways that nines will narcotize. And that's the defense mechanisms of nines. Food? Snacks? Yeah. <laughs> so, did you hear the way she's saying that? Yes. Don't take away my so, No, no, listen to that. So she goes, wait, are you talking about snacks? <laughs> <laughs> like the whole pitch of the, the voice goes thing. different. I, I feel like, I feel like, we watching Teletubbies on the air yeah, here. Exactly. <laughs> snacks. So my daughter Maddie actually uses this word. Mm, I want a knack. <laughs> she says that. No way. So no nines. Way. Yeah, yeah. She'll say, I want a knack. So here's a picture of a nine. We were in the car one time. I don't know if I, I can't remember if we, if I mentioned this in the book or not, but I got an eight in the back seat of daughter who's an activist, mm. right? And she, we're, I think we were driving by like a Black Lives Matter protest in Manhattan, mm-hmm. right? And my daughter 
if she sees a protest march, it's like, I got to go. I got to go. yeah. get out of this car. I got to join That's it. Yeah. In fact, I got to lead it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like she has, I mean, literally that kind of energy comes right. in. My son is a seven and he just loves to kind of like rile her up because to him it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he's not scared. Yeah. He's just like, I'll just disagree with her about everything she's saying <laughs> just to see what happens. Yeah. I'm just going to like That's, get this. Yeah, is that you that, too? Yeah, absolutely. Right. He's a that contrarian. Yeah. So, you know, but for if, fun, but for fun, yeah. he's not like another eight that really wants to like, right. like you know, two Thors in right. the car. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like Greek gods, you know, in the car, like lightning. It's like, no, he's like, ah, I'm just going to poke around, see if this gets to be good. Right. You yeah, know? Exactly. Now, when this happened, my my wife, who's a nine, is actually, I'm watching her. She's trying to ping pong back and forth to kind of like make the smoothest thing over, right? I'm a four. I'm like, you know, trying to figure, should I write a poem about this? Should I? <laughs> <laughs> this is getting tough in here. I'm a withdrawing type, right? What do you think? And Maddie, I looked in the back seat, and Maddie was curled up like a cat, and she'd fallen asleep. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. So the first time Amanda and I went on a like to a party, it was St. Patrick's Day. It was at a house here in Nashville. Crazy lights. The music was loud. Everybody's dancing. There's drinks. There's dancing. It's loud. It's dark and it's bright because the lights they had like moving lights in the house or whatever. I immediately go in. I make drinks for us. I dance with some friends on the way back to Amanda. Amanda had fallen asleep on the couch, like within minutes of walking into the room. And that honestly like freaked me out. I was like, who is this person? <laughs> like it's a like, party. It's like a full throttle party. <laughs> that, I think he did think I was like psycho or like on something and I was like, oh, but not like like fell asleep. Right. That I'm just done. freaked me out because I've never heard of I never oh, heard yeah. somebody's doing that. That's Oh yeah. yeah. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen nines that, that will do that. I mean my wife, even when she wasn't pregnant, like when we were uh, we were first married. At 9 p.m., it was like I could set my clock to it. We could be out with friends, and I would look over at her, and it would be like, <laughs> her head would be lolling back. She's just sort of fading Why, off. though? Why are we so tired? <laughs> no, I just, you know, it's charming. Yeah. It's beautiful. If it's self-aware and you have an element, you, you are aware enough to know to, to be able to stop in the moment and self to, to practice self inquiry, right? Yeah. Why? Where am I going right now? Yeah. Is is it I'm tired, or is it I'm checking out? Right. From oh, yeah. the situation. Most of the time, that's for sure. I'm like, this is too much. Right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so it's like, okay, so just it's don't. Too much. I'm always like, don't live on autopilot. If you're gonna do something, know yeah. why you're doing it. Ooh, that's great. You know. Like, no. Yeah. And then make choices. Right. Because the choice may be, I don't even want to come to this party and I'm falling asleep. Right. And a lot of times the nine, that can be what's happening. Yeah. It's like, I didn't actually want to come to this party. Right. And the way I'm going to express my displeasure about being here right. is I'm, I'm going to go leave. To yeah. I'm going to stay. I'm going to be here, but, but I'm, I'm going gone. to leave. You See, know? that's asserting our power. Can I tell two quick Amanda nine stories? Oh, no. Yes. Our first argument was right down the street. I used to be a food runner. I never elevated to server because I kept getting fired and rehired. I got from P.F. Chang's just down the street from here. And I remember I was pulling up, coming up to Matt Hatcher, and I called Amanda, hey, uh, everybody's going out, da, 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 there's a thing at so-and-so's house, we're going to go at like, and I'll come pick you up, we'll go. And she literally laughed on the other line, on the other side of the phone. And uh, I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, babe, it's 9.30. I was like, yeah, 
The party starts at 10. <laughs> and it was our first legit argument. Like, She's like, I'm, I'm not go. going. I'm already in my pajamas. I've got a book I'm going to read. That I've drawn a bath. I don't know what you were doing. I don't know what people do that go to sleep without just passing out. Yeah. Because that's what I do. And the other story was we were in Orlando. We were at Universal Studios, Islands of Adventure. And we're riding this incredible Hulk roller coaster ride, which is a fantastic roller coaster. It starts all at once. So instead of like the tick, 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 up to the top of the mountain, and then just gravity lets you drop. This goes tick, tick, boom, and you launch up the thing, and it's oh. like full adrenaline. It's like if Seven was a ride, it's the Incredible Hulk <laughs> ride at Universal Studios. And so, you know, they do the, ma'am, can you push out? You know, it's like the 16-year-old just kind of bored. Uh, can you push out make sure your thing's locked? Yeah, yeah, tick, 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 tick. We all, you, know, you shake it. It's this chest strap that you shake right. to make sure you're thoroughly secured in this ride that's going to do flips and spins and all this stuff. And so we start riding. Amanda checked her security, and it was fine. And we, I'd done the ride before, and so I knew it was just like three seconds of, of fake slow motion, and then we would launch up this tunnel and start this crazy ride. And in that three seconds, Amanda decides to check her security one more time, and it goes, <gasps> and it comes out. No way. Like, and in my memory, it was enough for her to slip, and for in her memory, it was enough for her to slip out. It wasn't fully loose over her head, but certainly a few inches came loose, and then at that point, what do we know? Like, is it going to do it again? And I grab her, and I'm like, not even scream, just this intense grab, like nothing's going to happen to her. I couldn't understand what she was doing because she was flopping no, around so a whole lot. It, I, I did it, and it shoots right Oh, yeah, after. as soon as yeah. she does it, it launches. It goes, she's just enough time for her to look at me and go, <gasps> and then we're go, launched like a rocket oh through this gosh. thing, Spit, spins and flips and all this stuff. And I'm holding on to her, and I can't, even, I can't even look at her face, but I do know she's like flopping a whole lot. You know, I'm like, oh, that thing must be real loose, which it was, but she's flopping like a lot. And then we get done, we get off the ride, we're sick to our stomach, and I go see the picture for whatever reason. We're walking by, and I notice it, and Amanda had gone completely <laughs> limp. Eyes closed, passed out. No way. On no. the ride, as soon as it happened, just that was it. That doll. wasn't a nine thing. That was because in college, some drunk kids fell down an elevator shaft, and the ones survived because they were like drunk enough that they went limp. And I remember everybody saying that, so I thought, I'll just go limp, and then if maybe I'll thrown. survive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just play dead. So live. when I think so that of Amanda, that wasn't really a nine thing. That was more just. A, I still think of it as a nine thing because when I think of you as a nine, I think of you at St. Patrick's Day party, falling asleep on the couch within ten seconds, <laughs> and you in the face of death taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe true. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna actually do a two part up two two part show here. So what I want to I want to yeah I want to end on that note. Um, <laughs> Amanda flying out of the. The, the ride at Universal Studios. But actually, I really want to wrap up on a song. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Because we're not letting you get out of here on either one of these episodes without a song. So Let's do it. What, do you, what do you got? Oh, well, song. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, song for sure. I see there's guitars on the wall. I'm very excited to play one of those. Uh, what's a song we could do, Amanda? Do you want to do... Let's do The Last Time. It's about the first time we met. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, Typology listeners. Johnny Swim. Abner and Amanda singing the last time. The last time that I saw someone that I want was the first time I saw you The first thing that I thought Wasn't my last thought It would be of you I don't wanna stay 
stay here longer than I need to And I don't wanna wait for love I ain't got the patience, all anticipation I don't think I can make it love But I can, but I can, but I can But I can, but I can, but I can If it's for you But I can, but I can, but I can But I can, but I can, but I can If it's for you It's for you I always thought it was dumb A fool falls in love Once and for always Then darling, there you come Stole my heart out on the run Once and for always To. And I ain't trying to wait for love I ain't got the patience, all anticipation I don't think I can make it love But I can, but I can, but I can But I can, but I can, but I can If it's for you If it's for you Oh, but, but I, I can, can, but I can, but I can but I can, but I can, but I can If it's for you If it's for you The bullet on you shot it Ain't no trying to stop it I'ma let it pass on through Hold on if you got it Ain't no trying to stop it Let love make a fool of you But I can, but I can, but I can if it's for you Amanda, thank you both so much for being here with us in the studio today. Absolutely. Hey, love you too. So grateful for you both. Everyone, be sure to go to iTunes today and check out Moonlight, Johnny Swim's brand new album. Hey, and be sure and stick around next week when we have part two with Abner and Amanda. And we'll also next week introduce Jay King, who is their manager. And we'll talk about the Enneagram and how it's enriched their relationships, both personally and and professionally. Hey, don't forget to follow us on social media at Ian Morgan Cron. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at Typology Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. Hey, that's it for me, Anthony Skinner. We hope you have a fantastic week. See you, folks.